0: Hey, when you're daydreaming, when you're just maybe laying awake at night or uh, maybe after you read the news, do you ever think about how the world will end? You know, like, how is it all going to end? How is it all going to come together? And when will it happen? Uh, Will it happen by nuclear war or maybe the, the global warming and the place will just get so hot, it'll just flood the earth? Maybe an asteroid health outbreak or maybe aliens from outer space, you know, like, all of these things are plausible, right? I mean, you got war around the world. Uh, we saw what COVID did. Yeah, the temperature is so hot. You know, I don't know how anything can stay frozen, you know, in a time like this. But uh, this, this week, they had a U.S. Air Force colonel that testified before Congress about the, the UFOs, that the Air Force is hiding in reverse engineering. So uh, just so you know, I'm in the Air Force. I've not seen it, all right? I don't know. Cannot uh, aff- confirm or deny uh, what is happening, but these are the things uh, that we see in our culture, and maybe we think about these things. Maybe we think about, like, how, how will this world end? Uh, when we think about that, we also think about heaven. You know, what comes next after this world? What comes next? And for us of faith, we have this, this idea, this concept of heaven awaits us, but as we've been talking about in the last several weeks, even, even sometimes our concepts of heaven are not very exciting Right, we've picked these things up from our literature, movies, or whatever. And we have these this idea of what heaven will be like, you know, uh, this disembodied, floating spirits in the cloud, right? Or the the fat angel who has the harp or a bow and arrow, you know, shooting people. Um, maybe we think of this uh, kind of this um, uh, hallelujah chorus that never ends. It kind of sounds like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir or an English boys' choir that just goes on and on. Maybe you think about heaven as kind of like a, a, a recital that never ends, like every single kid coming up to play the violin or the piano, or we just can't wait for the drum solo that's going to come and wake us up. But, uh, I mean, these things are, have been in our minds, but, but honestly, if this is what our view of heaven is, it's not super exciting. It kind of makes us hold on to this world, world a little bit longer, as long as we can, because that might be more exciting than what awaits us in heaven. But is that what Scripture teaches us? When we think about uh, the end of the world, when we think about heaven, we often are led to the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, you, you start reading it, and it, it kind of becomes clear pretty soon that there's, this is really the story of two kingdoms, right? Uh, the kingdom of this world versus the kingdom of God. And if you pick up in Revelation 17, you get this, uh, this picture of this, this kingdom called Babylon, which is personified as a prostitute. It's really all the kingdoms of the world, all the people, all the structures that are opposed to God, that are against God, that fight against God and against His people. They're all personified in this kingdom called Babylon. This kingdom is ruthless. Christians. It's like it lives, it's fed on the blood of Christians. And you see this kingdom of this world confronting the kingdom of God. But as you read further in Revelation 17, after it describes this kingdom that is uh, just a, a horrible kingdom, it says, they, this kingdom, Babylon, will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, faithful followers. So you see this battle that comes all together, but you see the kingdom of God dominating if you want kind of a, a, a one verse to kind of capture the whole idea of Revelation, I would go to Revelation eleven fifteen, 15, which just summarizes these two kingdoms. It says, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and as of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. The kingdom of the world, Babylon, that we see around us will become the kingdom of God and he will reign as king forever and ever. So how do we live as citizens of the kingdom of God, but in the world as it is, in Babylon? We have been in a series over the last couple months called Kingdom Come, and today we're at the very end of it. It's a Taken us from the beginning of the Bible to the end, and here's the kind of the slide. A lot of information. I'm not going to preach on this, right? But just to kind of see where it starts with the Garden of Eden, that this is God's creation, His place, His people, right? He is the King, and these are the people, right? Um, and that He reigns over His place and with His blessing. And we saw that uh, in Eden, but then we saw how it all fell apart when sin entered in that relationship was ruined, and we see throughout the Bible how this concept of God as king and of his kingdom comes together, but we see it all coming together with Jesus when he comes and he brings the kingdom of God, and when he leaves, he tells the church, he says, you are to be my ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Go into Babylon. Go into this world and present the gospel. Live the values of heaven and bring people into my kingdom. And it all concludes today as we look towards the future, the perfected kingdom, of what that will look like. My hope is that this is, uh, that it gives you a structure to see the Bible, and you can see the structure different ways. There's different ways to see the Bible, but I hope that this one, as seeing God as the king from the beginning to the end, helps you. I, I think it's a little bit like a dot-to-dot picture. All right, you guys remember dot-to-dots? Right? Dot-to-dots are, are fun, little kids. Not only do they learn their, their numbers, but they see shapes. And uh, if you showed this picture to a kid, the kid would be completely overwhelmed. Like, there's so many numbers. I don't know what that is, right? Just, and maybe if they're excited, like, where's number one? I'll start it. We'll try to figure out what this is. But you, as an adult, you have a framework. You understand. That's a, a picture of two kittens, Right? You don't need to do the dot-to-dot to figure it out, because you, you have a concept. You already know. You're an abstract thinker. You can figure that out. My hope is that this kingdom of God is, is like a dot-to-dot for you, that maybe before you're kind of like, what's the point of the Bible? Where's it going? And I just have some highlights in here, and how do they all connect together? But throughout this series, I hope it's kind of put these dots together so that you, you can see it and look and see, oh, there's the kingdom of God. Here's how we live in the kingdom of God. Here's how we represent the kingdom of God. No wonder we're finding finding so much animosity because we represent the king in this world. You know, as I was um, thinking about it and just kind of recounting this series, it, it really is the story of these kingdoms where the first one is this kingdom of Babel that was started against God, kind of in rebellion. But then we were introduced to Egypt, in Egypt, and there had all the, the, all of Israel enslaved, and it kind of goes through. Uh, finally, Israel becomes a, king, a kingdom, and then we see Assyria, and Babylon, and Persia, and Rome as we enter into the New Testament. But we see all of these kingdoms, and, and really, what, here, here's the, the difference, that the kingdoms of the world, the kingdoms of Babylon, really, how, they're, they're defined by their oppression, they oppress people, right? They have all the slaves, right? They, they do everything they can to oppress the, 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 those who are down and out and to exalt those who are high on the throne. And that's really the, the picture of this world. But when then we see the kingdoms that glorify God, Israel at its best, right? And we see what, what uh, Paul talks about in the kingdom of God. What we see is completely the, the opposite. In God's kingdom, the poor... Are rich. The first are last. The persecuted are rewarded. The prisoners are free. The hungry are fed. The naked are clothed with royal robes. Seeing God's kingdom is completely different. There's no oppression, but instead, those who are oppressed are lifted up. And we, as followers of Jesus, we, as children of the King, we represent. His kingdom. So we are to go out into this world and bring justice to the oppressed. To live and free those who are broken, ignored, unseen, abused. Whether it's the refugee right here in our midst, the one with needs, special needs, the weak, the forgotten. We as the ambassadors of the kingdom we who are called for this purpose we are to go out to represent those people to care for them and love them and introduce them to a king who loves them deeply so let's wrap up this series we'll finish this up here today as we look at this perfected kingdom and here's what i want us to see just just at the at the right time when It's the right time for God, and we don't know when that is. But at the right time, God will bring his kingdom to earth. He'll renew the world. He'll reward the redeemed people. And he'll reign as the eternal king. This is not just a fantasy. It's not just a hope. This is the reality. The reality that we have. So let's jump into this. Let's look in our remaining time of these things. We'll start with the renewed kingdom, right? The renewed creation, right? This world that we live in will be our eternal home, okay? So we've said many times that we've talked about uh, you know, what heaven is like. And for so many of us, we tend to, even today, we think of this uh, spending eternity in some distant, invisible um, land that we cannot even imagine. We can't have a, a concept of it. And we see this many places, but we see it even in our hymns, all right? I mean, I love hymns. I'm not, uh, we see I mean, hymns even in uh, probably current um, music today too, worship music. But I was thinking of these, a couple hymns that came to mind. Um, You might remember them if you were into this uh, back in the days, but one is called, This World is Not My Home. It says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open doors, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. He says, uh, later on, it says, I have a loving Savior up in glory land. Okay, so Glory Land is kind of the name. It says a little later, it says in the last verse, it says, just up in Glory Land we'll live eternally. Okay, so you hear that? In Glory Land, wherever that is, that's where we'll live eternally. Okay, the saints from every hand are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. All right. Um, I'm sure it's a great song, but it gives us message that when we think of heaven, it's this distant, far away land beyond the sky that we can't really imagine. All we can do is we hear these songs echoing from heaven's shores that just draw us there, right? Uh, Another hymn that I I love is like a kind of a more of a gospel kind of hymn that says, I fly away. Remember this one? I'm not going to sing it. I don't do that in my sermons for your protection, Right? But it says, Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, Oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah by and by, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. To a land where joy shall never end, I'll fly away. Right? And this same thing, this concept of this home so far away that we can't see, we don't understand. But what we read in Revelation 21 and 22 is is a much different picture. It's a world that seems eerily similar to this world that we're in right now. So is it that the world far, far away is kind of the same here? Or is it maybe this is the home? But here, look what it says. In Revelation 21, it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and earth had just passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older the old order of things have passed away who who's seated on the throne says i'm making everything new this world being purified that's what it means that this is a new heaven new earth that's being purified right the old you hear that the old order of things is gone that's life as we know it right the structures the the power and the authority all that kind of stuff that make this world go round are gone but there's a new king a new rule, a new authority, this new holy city, the new Jerusalem that comes out of heaven and rests here on the world. This is what uh, uh, Abraham was looking forward to in Hebrews eleven ten, when it says that he, Abraham, was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God, not whose foundations and architect was man in rebellion as in Babel way back in Genesis, but the foundation, the world, who, who's built by God, that's what he was looking forward to, and that's what he sees in Revelation 21, this new city coming down to earth, a city where God would dwell with his people, where the people would live. All right, this is a beautiful city. It's gorgeous. All right? I won't read all of Revelation 21, but it does talk about it. It's, the city shone with the glory of God. Its, its brilliance was like that of the very a precious jewel, like jasper, as clear as crystal. We're talking about this gold that lines the city. These walls that have these, these few, big, beautiful walls that have these stones on it. Right? Um, I won't read all of them, but just... Uh, let's see, the first foundation was jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, agate, emerald. It goes on, ruby and amethysts, and all of that. But here's what I want you guys to, to. I, mean, like, I, don't, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what a wall of amethyst looks like. I, I'm sure it's beautiful, right? <laughs> I'm sure it's gorgeous. But I know that's not gonna capture my attention for that long, right? Maybe take a picture of it and move on. But but here's the important thing, All right. Because it's talking about the new heaven, the new earth, this new Jerusalem. But what is it decorated with? with? With jewels that we have that maybe some of you are wearing. Maybe somebody's wearing the ruby pendant, right? That that's, that's from this earth, and we see it in the new earth. That there's some familiarity. What we see here on this earth, what we've experienced, the gold we wear is, is going to be that similar, probably better, uh, even more shiny in heaven, but there's this connection. It's not like we're some, like, abducted by aliens and taken to some weird planet. We don't know any of the properties. Right? It's not like Land of the Lost and seeing all these weird creatures around. Like, this is something familiar. So, this, this is the new world. It's, God has built it, He's the architect, He's built it for us. It's special, it's beautiful. In Revelation 21, verse 15, it talks about the dimensions of the city. This is the angel who talked with me, had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. Let me just stop there. Um, that says something. When the measuring rod, the measuring tape is made out of gold, you have a lot of gold, right? When your measuring tape is, is gold, like, man, that, you have made it, okay? It's, remember in, in Israel when Solomon was at his, at his best, right? It just said there was so much gold in this city that silver and bronze were like useless. Those were like toilet paper, you know? There was so much gold. And that's the point here too. This city is so beautiful. Even its measuring tapes are made out of gold. But as the angel measures it, he measures all the dimensions, and it comes out to this a, a big city. It's like 1,400 miles wide and long. Uh, To give us a concept, I I have a little map, United States. That's like from L.A. to Little Rock. And then from Little Rock to like North Canada where nobody lives, you know, over way above Vancouver and then back down. That's the size of the city, okay? That's a big city. Would you say that's a big city? It's a big city. Um, Now, it's a cube. So it's that high, 1,400 miles high. That that like blows my mind. And if you're into physics and the world rota- rotation, you got some work to do. Like, how's this world gonna spin when you have something that big? But uh, we'll, we'll deal with that <laughs> later. But the point is, it it's it's a cube, right? Um, so that's a big city. I was also thinking this week too that that's like the next slide here. That it that's the distance from Jerusalem to Rome, right? Um, and then this morning I was thinking, I'm like. I, I, I think that's about the same distance from Jerusalem to Babylon, right? I think the point here is, is, do we take it like literal? Is it literally a cube? I don't know. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. It would be amazing, right? But it might be like more symbolic saying that this whole world, the whole world, is a cube. Like the whole known world, all the powers are under God's control. And for those, the astute kind of reader, if you remember like a cube Where do we see cubes? You see it in the Holy of Holies. Remember in the Old Testament, the temple, the tabernacle? It was a cubed room. That's where God would go, where the high priest would go once a year. The whole concept is that this world is the king. It's a temple. It's the dwelling place of God. So whether it's, it's literal or kind of more symbolic, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But whatever it is, this, this is the dwelling place of God. God lives here. Right? It's a beautiful city that he has made for us. It goes on to talk about the city as there's no, uh, there's no sun, there's no moon to give it light. But the light comes from God. It comes from the Lamb. And again, if you are thinking, like, where have I heard that before? It's the very, very beginning of creation, right? Remember, what did God say? Let there be light. But what happened? That was day one. What happened on day four? God said, let there be a sun and moon and stars. So what happened from day one to day three? Where was this light coming from? The light came from God. God. And he's saying the same thing in this, this eternal city for eternity. I don't mean the moon and all that. There's the light's gonna come from the Lord, right? There'll be no nighttime. There'll be day. It'll be shining bright because the Lord is the one who's watching over this city, this creation. So, so many different things, than just uh, some planet up in the sky that we can't imagine. It's something that we can that's tangible that we can see, that we can get excited about, right? It also goes on to talk about a, a river that flows from the throne, All right? Though, this river of living water, living water, where well, we heard living water. From, didn't Jesus talk about living water? Come to me and receive the living water. This living water comes from the throne. All right on, the, on both sides of this this, uh, this river is the tree of life, the tree of life is there. We saw that in the Garden of Eden, right? On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Look what I gather from that, there's fruit to eat. There's living water to drink. There's time, like there's 12 fruits, 12 months. So there's some sort of time in there too. Very, very different than how we kind of just think about this celestial shores. But God's saying that, hey, I'm redeeming this place. It's going to be the place where we're going to live. It's going to be exciting because I'm making it new and that's going to blow your minds. That's the first thing we see. The second thing is the city is who's it for? It's for the redeemed people. The redeemed people, the king's people have been eternally redeemed. All that happened because of what Jesus did. Jesus being the lion and the lamb who sacrificed for our victory. In Revelation earlier, in Revelation 5, verse 9 and 10, it talks about what Jesus did, and it says, With his blood he purchased or redeemed for God persons from every tribe, every language, every people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve the Lord, and they will reign on earth. That's all people. Right? That's why we have this desire to be a multi-ethnic church, to start uh, looking like the kingdom of heaven now rather than wait till later. Right? We value these people because Jesus died for them. They're all the redeemed. They're all going to be in the kingdom of God. It says the city is for those whose names have been written in the book of life. In the book of life. In Revelation 20, it talks about this great white throne. And God is seated on the throne. It's his throne. It says the earth and the heavens fled away from its presence, and there was no place for them. He says, I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne. The books were open. Another book was opened. Which is the book of life? It says on verse 14, the death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. The lake of fire is for the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Here before the great throne is everybody who's ever lived. Everybody is there. You're there, I'm there. You ever look at those pictures from like junior high or high school, like your whole class photo, you know? And uh, you pull it out and you're, what's the first thing you do? Look for yourself. Where am I? Where was I? I think I was standing right around here. Um, you know, maybe you find yourself, and you can't even recognize you. It's so, you're so small or whatever. But here in this photo, here at the great white throne, everybody is there. You are there. We're all there. So the question is not if you're there. The question, really the most important question, is, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? It's your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, because it says there that if you are written, if your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, you have entry into the kingdom. The kingdom is for you. But if your name is not written in there, it says you are destined for the, the lake of fire. And man, I, I say that with trembling. I wish it wasn't so. I would do things differently, but I'm not the Lord, That's what he says and we have to take that seriously that's why we go out and we share the good news with our loved ones with our friends with anybody because we want to see all people entering into that kingdom Jesus has done the hard work he was the sacrificial lamb he took the sins on the cross so that we could have peace with God he did the hard work we just have to act out in faith saying Lord Jesus please take me I have tried to be king of my own kingdom. I've tried to live my own way, but I am coming to you. I'm submitting to you. You are the lion. You're the lamb. You're the sacrifice. You're the king. I'm coming under you. From the very beginning of the Bible, we see that this invitation is there. When Noah was building the ark for the flood, he said, hey, anybody, please come come, come and enter into this ark. You will be safe. And people didn't. And Jesus comes. And he says, hey, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. If you believe in me, just as Scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them, right? That same living water. If you come to me, you have a spot in the kingdom of God. You will drink from the living water for eternity. Jesus has opened the invitation so many different ways. He says it's right there. You just need to come and enter in to this relationship. Even the book of Revelation ends with this call, it says the Spirit and the bride. That's Christ. They say, Come, you're welcome here. And let the one whose heart says come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life come. The invitation is there. Yeah, but you say, Well, I, I am a messed up sinner. You don't know what I've thought or what I've said or what I've done. I, I don't. Yeah, but Christ does and he still says come because there's forgiveness at the cross for you. There's a spot in the kingdom of God for you. The question is, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? So what will happen in there? What will, what will the redeemed do? Uh, eternal rest. They'll enjoy eternal rest as they subdue the earth. Now, uh, let me talk about that because some of you think eternal rest, oh, like an eternal nap. Like, hey, I, I much as I love a nap, as much as I want a nap and need a nap, like the thought of like yawning for eternity is not exactly what I thought. But that's not what he's talking about, right? Sometimes e- the easiest way to like picture heaven is to look back at, in Genesis, the Garden of Eden. And here, uh, right, there, there was no temple there, right, because God walked with his people, Right it was the temple. It was that same Earth, the whole thing is his. And he brought Adam and Eve into the picture and said, "I need you to go subdue the world." That's like to rule over this world. Go be a king, live under me, but go be a king in this world." And the same thing that we hear when we see this picture in Revelation, at the end of the book, he says, he talks about the kings of the earth will come into the city and bring glory to the Lord, the kings of the earth. In Revelations 5 and in 22, it talks about we will reign with him forever and ever. That's that same language. It's king language. The same language that was given to Adam that says, subdue the world. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every creature that crawls on the earth. You are to rule over that. So is that same language that we're given in the kingdom of God in this new Jerusalem. Go. You're the kings. Go rule. So what does that mean? I mean, we build cities gardens subdue this world do we create art do we create and engineer new things i think it does and that's what it means we go out we create and we bring that creation back to the lord and said it's all for your glory i'm so tired in this world when people create something and it's something good and helpful but then the world takes it and corrupts it right i mean we see that so many times I mean, think of the internet, right? Created for sharing information and communication. And then uh, it was taken and now porn is like everywhere on the internet. And how they've taken that and just ruined it. But here in the kingdom of God, I think we're able to create things that will never be turned to evil. But to create things for the glory of God as we subdue this world. But it also says clearly like the redeemed will see and dwell with God. He says, look, God's dwelling place is among the people. He'll dwell with them. They're his people. He'll be their God. And then he says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Did you hear that? God will wipe the tear from your eyes. um, From time to time, I have people in my office for counseling, and sometimes they cry. I've never not once gone over them and wiped the tear from their eye. I don't know, seems a little bit too, I say there's Kleenex, <laughs> help yourself to some Kleenex, but I don't go there and wipe into, I think that'd be a little too, right? That's um, a little intimate, that's something that maybe a husband and wife do, right? Or a, a father to his children will do that, but not strangers and all that, but that's the point, that, that God, he's saying, welcome home children, I'm going to wipe those tears from your eyes. The intimacy, the relationship that you have with the father is amazing, and he says there'll be eternal rest, right? Like I said, it's not, rest does not equate eternal naps, right? Instead, rest is being in a right relationship with God, with seeing him, knowing him, loving him, obeying him, being in a right relationship where sin is not pulling us away or making us conflicted on how to, how to serve him. That all that stuff is gone. But now we're just in a right relationship relationship. And if that intrigues you, I invite you to come back next month for the month of August for we'll me looking at that topic, what rest looks like in the Bible. But it's not just sleeping, but it's being in this relationship with God, right? So we saw this renewed creation. We see that's for the redeemed people, but now let's last look at this reigning king, right? He's the focal point of the kingdom of God. Right? He's the focal point of the new Jerusalem. It's his throne that's in the middle. Right, He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one who is on the throne. I mean, Revelation, that you can't read Revelation without seeing the throne, about seeing God on there. And we see Jesus who comes in and is this reigning victorious king. Right? He's a, he has the tattoo on his leg, the king of kings and Lord of lords. But what does that all mean? It means this king has cleared out the curse of sin. He has removed the curse. The curse that first entered in Genesis chapter 3, the curse that came after sin, that the earth was cursed, right? And and the, the child birthing process was cursed, right? The pain that came from that. We see the pain in the world right the whole world groans because of this curse our bodies groan because of the pain that we have throughout whether it's childbirth or not like we have just pain those things are the curse that has come throughout this series we've also talked as the curse as being separated from god we've been uh, if you're cursed you're removed from god's presence like cain was removed and so many other people throughout history they've been experiencing the curse they're removed from his protection from his presence from his care, those things are put away. That the king says, I'm making things right. I'm making things new. I'm putting the curse away, and I'm bringing the blessing to this world. The curse will be be replaced by the blessing. Now, that might sound familiar to you, as you remember some of the best Christmas songs there are. I know Christmas is like six months away, but remember the song, Joy to the World. Joy of the world is not so much a Christmas song. It's it's a it's the the song about him returning from Psalm eighty or ninety eight, but do you remember these words? It says, "This joy of the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare room. Let heaven and what and nature sing." right? Let heaven and nature sing. It keeps going. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Let men sing their songs, right, of praise while the fields and floods, I don't know how floods sing, but rocks, hills, and plains. Repeat that song. Repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, right? No more sins and sorrows, nor thorns infest the ground, For he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. All those words are in Psalm 98, just talking about this world that's groaning. They can't wait for Christ to come back and renew this world. Uh, Romans says it too. Paul writes it in Romans 8. It says, creation waits with eager anticipation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. We know the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right to the present time. Do you see that curse language? The, the earth, the, the ground, is like, feels like it's in childbirth. The curse And it can't wait. It can't wait for God to come back and renew things. Every earthquake, every tornado, every flood, every all of those things is just the earth groaning and saying, Lord, please come back. Please come back as king. We're done with this. It hurts the world just as much as it hurts us. And so when he comes back, he's saying, I'm putting the end of all of those things. Sin no longer has a say in this world. No longer. Gone is pain from this world. The values of the kingdom of heaven, that's what's present. But evil is gone oppression, racism, abuse, trafficking, loneliness, cancerousness, and unexplained sickness, starvation, police brutality, persecution, awkward, shameful guilty thoughts. Those things are gone, you guys. They're gone. There's no fear, hatred, sickening feelings, no polluted oceans, rivers, or streams, no bad smells, bad tastes. All those things are gone. Instead, it's all that is beautiful. Joy, the peace, love, acceptance kindness respect i don't think empathy and compassion are going to be needed we don't need those skills because we're going to have this perfect love for each other what about the food food's going to be amazing amazing i mean the one when it, when when the gospel writers in the scripture or the epistles when it talks about heaven it almost always talks about this banquet this food that we're going to eat and remember jesus says i'm not going to drink of the wine again until the kingdom of god the food's going to be amazing the fruit is not going to spoil or fade like it does at my house all the time right do you it, this here's how it works at our house i get fruit we wash it we put it on the counter to dry and that's when it gets eaten right? And they eat it right then but as soon as you put it in the refrigerator like it's like never to be seen and that's when Dad steps in. That's when I start eating it. And I ate that blackberry this week and my yogurt, and I'm like, that thing is gone. <laughs> I should not have eaten that. Right? That's our world. But that's not the kingdom of God. Those things aren't happening. It's going to be a perfect peace with creation. The best part, the best part, though, is this, that we will be with God. It's not the golden streets and all of that. It's that we will be with him. We'll be in his presence. You know, most kings and famous people, they don't want to be with common folk, right? But this king does. This king says, I'm here with you. See, if you could be with one person for one day, who would you pick? Maybe Otani. You might need to know some Japanese or have a translator for that, but maybe LeBron. BTS, I know there's a few of you out there. That's what I'll I'll do. Right? Uh, You know, why do we want to do that? Because we think that their lives are more interesting than ours. And so we're fascinated. How do they live? How do they, what do they do? We get to be with God. We get to spend time with Him, who's way more fascinating than the Kardashians or anybody else. Right? We are with Him for eternity. You guys... This world will end one day, okay? It will wrap up. It will end. And then what will happen? We know that it might, there's going to be some uh, reading in revelations, there's some scary things that happen, but make no mistake about it, the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God wins, and God will bring his new heaven down, and he will right every wrong. All the evil, all the hard things in this world that drive us nuts are going to be gone. And we will be there, not just floating like ghosts, but really there, tangible, in this world. So three applications. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Um, a lot of us are struggling with health, right? whether it's physical health or emotional health. I remember when I first came to this church 16 years ago, uh, someone would ask me, like, hey, "Do you do a lot of, you know, hospital visits? I'm like, I did at my old church, but not at this church. Like, our church was young, you know, 16 years ago. Like, the only time we go to the hospital was to see the new babies. But you guys were healthy. But now, your parents are hurting, are struggling, and you're hurting. You guys are in the ER this week. You guys are in urgent care, as I was. Um, uh, you guys are... Um, are struggling. You're seeing specialists. And I'm praying desperately. I'm praying diligently for your health, spiritual, emotional, physical health. And I will keep doing that. But I can't. There's no promise. I don't know. I I can't fix you. But here's what I do know, that someday those things will all be fixed. And someday you're going to be able to hear clearly See well. You're going to be walk and run without being dizzy, without falling. Your lives will be healed. So hang on. Hang on. Okay? Second one. Know that we are part of the kingdom of heaven, but we live in Babylon. All right? This just the fact of life. And you can, um, you can homeschool and you can do all these things and try to stay away, but we still we're still in the kingdom of Babylon. And how do we live? In this kingdom. That's a part of our discipleship. But remember that we represent the kingdom of God. So we're going to go out. When we see the oppressed. When we see people hurting. We're going to lift them up. We're going to care for them. The first will be last. Let's keep that mindset. But go out and go do the work. That God has called you to. And the last thing. Just this question that I already asked. But is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? And if it is. And if you're certain. Then wonderful. Go out and live for the glory of God and represent him as your king. If it's not, I encourage you and plead and beg with you to receive him now. When you receive him, your name is put in and he will live for eternity with him. And that's what I want you to hear. So guys, the world will end. Yes, it will. But what awaits us is so much more exciting than you can ever imagine. And so times like this, we just want to build our anticipation, build our excitement. That's just a portion of it. I mean, just a teeny, that's a sliver of it. There's so much more and I can't wait to see. But hold on, endure, and know that we're literally part of a kingdom of God. We have a literal king who's reigning. Today, we live by faith, not by sight but one day we will live by sight.